Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Let's continue our conversation from last week, Robert, about Henry Flagler's mm-hmm. railroad. Uh, Henry Flagler decides after uh, getting those oranges from Julia Tuttle, or those citrus plants from Julia Tuttle, that he's going to extend his railroad south to Miami via Fort Lauderdale, via uh, Boca Raton, Hypoluxo. Uh, Boca Raton ends up growing into uh, Addison Meisner several years later uh, during the Florida land boom, turns that into a, a major destination. Miami doesn't necessarily take off right away when Flagler's Railroad gets there. Both Miami and Fort Lauderdale, Miami first and then Fort Lauderdale later, become major cities. And, and they're, they're cities that uh, everybody in, in, in the country knows. And I mean, to the point where I saw uh, an announcement in, in the Phoenix paper a couple of weeks ago when American Airlines decided they were going to add a bunch of new routes from Phoenix... They said Phoenix, uh, American ads service from Phoenix to Fort Lauderdale and four other cities. Included in the four other cities were New Orleans and Cincinnati, places people know. Yeah. But it, as the, in this day and age, more people know Fort Lauderdale. More people go to Fort yeah. Lauderdale. So Fort Lauderdale and Miami develop. We're going to do a whole other show on the Florida land boom and, and, and with a specific emphasis on, on Miami. But Miami may never have developed if Henry Flagler had not somewhat dogmatically, and because he was given uh, carte blanche by the legislature, Robert, the ability mm-hmm. to just knock his railroad down there. Yeah, you know, uh, on the last episode, I told you that there's really, um, there's two periods, two Flagler periods uh, in Florida history. The first one is his, you know, massive uh, building efforts in St. Augustine. The second is the fact that he um, is considered the founding father of both Palm Beach and Miami. And if anybody were to wonder how you got from that point A to that point B, it was all through railroad construction. He went and he basically tore in to the wilderness all up and down the state I mean, it was thousands of acres he tore down. And he was purchasing properties as he went. He would go down from St. Augustine to Daytona, and he would he'd purchase um, hotels. He would go down to Fort Pierce, and he would, he'd purchase property. He'd purchase bits of land all the way down until he got to Miami. And then once he got to Miami and he got to Palm Beach, then he... Uh, and basically started looking towards the Keys. Yeah, it was all wilderness. There was no, there were no roads between these places. There were no even carriage paths. Uh, there was between Fort Lauderdale and Miami, interestingly built by Abner Doubleday, when he was in the yeah. U.S. military, later reputed to be the founder of baseball. Uh, I think that's been debunked now. Debunked. But, yeah, completely yeah. debunked. But that's, uh, that was about it. You had no path to any of these other towns other than by ship, he was able to develop uh, deep water ports, essentially, in uh, Palm Beach. Uh, later, Port Everglades developed as, as the premier deep water port on the Atlantic, uh, south of uh, Norfolk, and, and the Port of Miami. Now, the thing that's very interesting, though, about Flagler is when he gets to Miami, it's a wilderness. There is a uh, burning of development because Flagler is there. You've got the Brickle family and the Tuttle family, as I've mentioned in previous episodes. But there's one thing remaining in his mind. The city in Florida, besides his St. Augustine, 
He's just brought St. Augustine back to being maybe more prominent than Key West. But the city, as we talked about on a previous episode, mm -hmm. is laying 150 miles away with no connection. It's Henry Flagler. He has the means. He has the will. Guess what he decides? And, you know, you see all throughout this great uh, single-man migration that Flagler is undertaking, um, you'll see that he is, you know, that is his goal, is Key West. He wants to connect an entire empire by rail between St. Augustine and Key West. And along the way, um, you have something like, you know, West Palm Beach was founded as a service station for Correct. his railroad. Yep. Palm Beach. And, and a place built... for his workers to stay, because his workers, it, it was a very classist society then, which, you know, it still is to a certain extent. They weren't going to stay on Palm Beach. They weren't going to stay at the Breakers. <laughs> you needed <laughs> and, a place for know, them, which was West Palm Beach. Uh, you, you know, yeah, I mean, he built Palm Beach in, ended up becoming the Breakers. He built uh, this 1,100-room uh, uh, beautiful hotel in Lake Worth at a time when, you know, there really wasn't a business for it. But he had this mentality of sort of the, I, if I build it, they will come. And at the same time, for every single mile of track that was being laid down in the, the city, the state government was offering incentives. They gave him almost, I think it was like 3,000 acres just because he was putting the railroads there. And it got to a point where he wasn't even having to pay for land. They just, they wanted his property. They wanted his, his interest so badly. And uh, I think I, at, at first, he wanted to uh, to end construction on the railroad and and uh, the Palm Beaches because of uh, the Great Frost in '94 uh, and '95. He was just the kind of guy that he wouldn't be um, undaunted, and he just kept going. Right, as I mentioned on oh. the previous episode, uh, the citrus continued to bloom in Miami, or what became Miami uh, at the time was Fort Dallas, while it could not grow in places like Fort Pierce where the citrus industry had been based around, uh, and central Florida, uh, even, uh, the early days of Polk, Polk County. Bartow became an important city, and Lakeland became an important city in the early 1900s. Uh, Arcadia was becoming an important city as well. Or town, I should say. These were all towns. The only two cities in Florida were St. Augustine and Key West. Everything else was a town, so I should clarify that. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Um. And, and, and it should also it should also be noted as you as you said earlier about him being so instrumental in the building up of places like Miami. He would encourage people, farmers, to come, and as a, a symbol of encouragement, he would gift to these communities churches and hospitals and schools. He would build them. He would essentially create communities. So that these people could par participate in all the the basic comforts that they had where they used to live. As as I uh, as you mentioned, the politicians and the legislature yeah. just giving him land. 
I'm reminded of, of, of a passage in Les Stanford's incredible book, Last Train to Paradise, which everybody should read. It's one of the best reads on Florida history out there that's not written by you, Robert. <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> one of the best ones that you didn't write. But it's fantastic, and it's all about Henry Flagler's railroad and with an emphasis on the, the knocking of the railroad down to Key West. But he, he says in the book at some point that Flagler's arrival in Florida was the equivalent of Walt Disney in the 1960s to the state and basically oh, yeah. got the same sort of favors from the politicians and the political class that Walt Disney has got and continues to get uh, up to this moment. So uh, that's a very apt comparison, I think, to just go back to what you were saying about uh, the fact that he didn't have to pay for land, right? They wanted his uh, railroad and they wanted his properties. Well, well, not even not even just that, but he was having uh, trouble divorcing his wife, and so uh, they they added a, a new clause in the state's divorce laws so that he could do that. Uh, you know, correct. That, they just, correct. Yeah, I mean, they they whatever he wanted, they you know they you know the governor if the governor. Flagler wanted a cup of coffee and a smoke. The governor would get up and go get them for him. I mean, he was just, that was just, he was, he was the king. And absolutely, it was, it was just like Disney. He had money, he had influence, and more importantly, he had a lot of friends that he could bring along with him, which meant a lot of new capital for the state. And they were, they were going to make sure that he and his wallet stayed right where they were. So then he decides to go to the Keys, and, and ultimately that became an engineering marvel, an engineering feat of incredible magnitude. Even the first stretch of building the railroad, eventually the railroad gets built down from Miami to, to, to Homestead, and the old FEC railroad area between Miami south to, to Homestead is now, part of it is the Metro Rail, which is the rapid transit system in, in Miami-Dade County, and then uh, south of, of the Dadeland South Station, which is the final station on uh, both the orange and green lines of the Metro Rail, you have a busway, which was the former right-of-way for the FEC, where um, buses go all the way down to Homestead. From Homestead and Florida City, Florida City was founded around this time because of Flagler's Railroad, to Key Largo was 20 miles of wilderness. Everglades, that's now an important part of Everglades National Park. At the time, Flagler had thought about extending his railroad. If you're familiar with Everglades National Park, you know that you that you enter the visitor center, the Ernest, and I'm talking about the, the main entrance, not the, the Gulf Coast entrance in uh, Everglades City in, in, in Collier County or, or the uh, uh, entrance in Shark Valley on Tamiami Trail, which is uh, closer to Miami closer to, uh, to uh, Broward County as well, the, the main entrance in Florida City. The original idea was to build the railroad through the glades to Cape Sable, then connect the railroad from Cape Sable across uh, Florida Bay, about 25 miles, would have been the longest bridge in the world, to Big Pine Key, and then turn it toward Key West. As it turns out, his chief engineers, a gentleman by the name of Coe and another one by the name of, of, of Chrome, whom Chrome Avenue is named for in Dade County, decided that it would be easier to punch through the Keys, starting with Key Largo. Uh, the Keys actually start in Dade County. Elliott Key is the first key. Uh, that is now part of Biscayne National Park and off, to, uh, uh, off limits of development, Icelandia, those areas. But the, the, the natural coral formation keys start 
with Elliot Key, Key Largo being the first one now that has road service. So what was surprising, oh, this is a bad pun, it wasn't intended to be one, but uh, they build their railroad down, they finally make the decision they're not going to go to Cape Sable and build across Florida Bay, they're going to come straight down through Key Largo. They hit a place called Jewfish Creek and Lake Surprise, which uh, Lake Surprise, by the way, is, is the one piece of water in Florida that is crocodile infested, not alligator infested, but it's brackish water, uh, it's where you have the cro crocodile preserve now. That ended up being two miles of very marshy kind of lake where it was very difficult to build a bridge. And it was an unbelievable engineering feat that they were eventually able to build across Drewfish Creek and Lake Surprise. And in fact, this was the last bridge most recently in the Keys system, which they, about 2008, that they converted from a drawbridge to a, a full high, 65 foot high bridge because it's just difficult terrain. So they get to Key Largo and they start building towards Key West. We'll get to that in a minute. But, Robert, the irony yeah. is the Keys weren't hit by very many hurricanes in the 1880s and 1890s. They were hit mm -hmm. by no hurricanes for the 25, 20 or so odd years after Flagler's Railroad was completed. They, however, were hit by three hurricanes yeah. that disrupted construction of this railroad in the five or six years Flagler was trying to build a railroad from Key Largo yeah. down to Key West. No, and, um, you know, I think, I think it was estimated that by the time of his death, um, he had, and, and a lot of it, I, I think, was due to his effort to build this railroad in the Keys, but he had invested about $50 million in properties, in land, in railroads in this state. And, you know, people forget, and, you know, and you, you definitely champion the, the keys. Um, but I, I think people nowadays might think, you know, why on earth would they trying to build a railroad to the keys? But at the time, that was the largest population in the state. It was like 25,000 people. Key West was and the only was, city, actually, in the state that didn't need Flagler to build anything, or hotels or anything. It was yeah. the only city with it, with that significant, in, even St. Augustine, as old a city as it was, it was a dying place until Flagler got there. Key West was really the only city in the state. You said it well on the episode we did on Key West. If you thought about Florida in those days, it was Key West. You're right. Oh, yeah. that, that reminds me oh, of yeah. And I, I do think that he... Um... I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm probably, you know, I may be overthinking this, but I'm sure he had to be a little disappointed that he was never able to colonize Key West the way he was the actual, you know, mainland peninsula of Florida. Yeah. A lot to, of to the point like, where, uh, sorry to cut you off, Robert, but oh, no. finish, hold that thought. To the point where he, Trumbull Point, where his railroad ended, was I think three or four miles from Mallory Square maybe three miles from Mallory Square, because Key West was built up. It was a city. It wasn't one of these yeah. places where you could just plow right through like Miami had been and Palm Beach and Fort Pierce and all this, uh, New Smyrna, Daytona, etc. It was a real place, and you couldn't just knock down existing buildings and businesses for a railroad. So essentially the railroad ended at the entrance to Key West. Yeah, and he, um, you know, I, I, I think a, a lot of people wonder when they think of our idea as the, you know, the tourist me mecca for so long, that we're, we're the site of Disney, we're the, we're the sunshine state. Everybody sometimes wonders what was the sort of nucle nucleus to this, um, to this sort of 
seasonal influx of tourists that we always get every year. And uh, a, a big, big part of that, of getting it started, was Flagler. This sort of idea that Florida can become a winter destination. When he would build his properties, like in Miami and Palm Beach, he would get designers from the, the same firms in New York that made the, the Pan Am exposition. I mean, the, the really just the finest builders right. in the entire world to make this a fashionable place for the rich of the Gilded Age to want to come and get away from the winter, get away from the seasonal heat of New York with, you know, its congestion and its, you know, and it's, it's just pure unbridled heat and go to a beach area with its breeze and, and its surf. And um, a lot of thanks is due to Flagler for this becoming such a popular destination state. Yeah, mention, mention that, uh, uh, talk, talk us a little bit more through that, Robert, because I think that's such an important part of Flagler. The Gilded Age, he is one of the barons, if you will, or one of the, the characters of the Gilded Age. But not only did he colonize, so to speak, uh, Florida, but he made it very fashionable for the elite and the rich of the Gilded Age. And, um, you know, a famous, famous story was towards the end of his life, a, uh, a college per, uh, president basically asked him, why Florida? Why did you spend this extraordinary fortune? Which, I mean, $50 million is an absurd amount of money today. But back then, it was unthinkable. It was an, just an unthinkable amount of money for somebody to basically just spend on a state. And um, Flagler ultimately said that he did it because he believed in the state. He believed that he could colonize it and develop it and and really, honestly, sort of um, accelerate it, accelerate its maturity um, so that it could be, you know, something that people would want to go to and, and live at and, and build lives at. And um, he said out of any other state in the country, it was the, the best chance he had of winning um, a dividend back from his event, his investments. And basically, he just believed in the state to such a huge degree that, um, you know, you can really consider him the Floridian of his generation. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll leave it there. I uh, just want to mention that... Uh, his dividend may be all of the things named after him in this state. You oh, go to yeah. any city on the East Coast, whether it's St. Augustine, it's Fort Pierce, it's uh, any city from Palm Beach down through Fort Lauderdale to Miami, there is a Flagler Drive, there is uh, something named after Flagler, there are buildings named after Flagler. Uh, it, it, he is the Floridian probably of the century, right? Of, of, of the 19th century in the beginning of the 20th. Didn't they make like a, a man-made uh, island for him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it was, you know, I mean, it, it, whatever, basically whatever, whatever they, they could to show their appreciation, the state did. Yeah. So he uh, is in many ways the father of modern Florida. You can find the Florida History Podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, 
uh, Radio Public, and our host, Anchor, among other uh, places. Uh, We record this every week, and we bring you a new episode every week, and Robert and I have enjoyed bringing you two weeks on Henry Flagler. Catch us soon. We'll have another new episode of the Florida History Podcast next week.